This is Ingewikkeld Sessions, the podcast. Organized by Ingewikkeld, each month you'll get a live stream on YouTube and a podcast on the same topic. That topic is always related to software development in one way or another. If you don't want to miss a thing, subscribe to both our YouTube channel and podcast. Let's start. Welcome to a new Ingewikkeld Sessions podcast. Every month we have a live stream and a podcast. The live stream this month was about domain-driven design. And so the podcast is also about domain-driven design. Now, in the live stream that we did, uh, we basically uh, dove into the theory behind domain-driven design and what is it, the definitions, etc., the the terminology, or let's call it the ubiquitous language of DDD itself. Um, and in the podcast, I, I want to dive a bit deeper into more practical sites. And I'm sitting here with Andreas. Hi, Andreas. Hey, Stefan. Uh, we've both been working on different projects that have implemented DDD or claimed to implement DDD. Let's put it like that. Um, and for for the podcast, we are going to basically discuss some observations that we had while working on those projects and the things that went right and the things that went wrong. Uh, things like that, right? Right. That sounds like a good plan. That sounds like a plan. Okay, good. Um now, let's start with uh, uh, DDD in itself. Um, DDD in itself is basically mostly about definition and using the right language, etc. Have you found that uh, uh, in in practice, people still use technical terms that are not actually related to the domain that they are working on? Yes and no, to be quite honest. Um, but that might have been also due to the fact that uh, some of those applications I worked on were rather technical. Um, but it, it was, for the developers, always pretty difficult to use the language of the domain and to actually get to know the language of the domain. Um, most of the time, when that worked very well, we had regular sessions with the uh, with, with all the stakeholders and uh, where we were then trying to actually take over their language. Um, sometimes that was pretty difficult because uh, yeah, if you are not working in an uh, with English companies or English speaking companies, a lot of the of the terms are not English and translate. Well, what do you do? Do you translate them or do you leave them as they are? And that kind of made it a bit difficult and that's that was usually where the technical terms came in so this is an interesting point if you're working in for instance a dutch company or a german company and all of the terms that the company uses are in dutch or in german um is it worth translating it to english or should you actually use the terms as they are used in the organization because DDD is very much about creating one ubiquitous language that everyone uses. And if the whole company speaks Dutch, should we translate it? Yeah. I think it highly depends. Um, sometimes you're working in a company, Dutch, German, whatever, um, that is still kind of internationally connected. So people are using kind of localized versions of internationalization. Uh, international concepts and then perhaps using these international language might actually also help the um, the stakeholders to understand what they are talking about 
But if that is a purely local thingy, um, then in my opinion, it doesn't really make sense to translate that. It might make it a bit harder for people that are not understanding the language because suddenly they have some very long German words. Okay, that might be Java class constants. Um, but that is something um, that might get some use to for the developers, for, for new developers from, from other countries. Yes, yes, I can imagine that if, for instance, you would, uh, I, I mean, you're you're now uh, involved in Ingewikkeld as well, if we would put you on a Dutch project and the code is mostly in Dutch, that, that would make it a bit harder for you. Absolutely. Uh, on the other hand, for the other developers and for speaking to the actual uh, people from the business, it would probably make it easier. Absolutely. And um, in the end, there are much far more people involved, at least hopefully, uh, on the stakeholder side than, than me as a, a single developer, or even if that is kind of a whole development team from an international company, um, that is still less people involved in that. And, uh, well, yeah, we have to figure it out then somehow. And at one point, you're talking about weird pronounced uh, things that you have no clue what they actually mean, <laughs> but it's, it, you, you know, the business meaning for that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, one thing th that I would like to note is uh, one of the projects that I worked on that did DDD. Um, uh, I could clearly see the advantage of using the terms that the business also uses because uh, there were, there were a lot of, uh, uh chats or meetings or whatever where both developers and people from the business were were involved uh, and they were always able to understand each other because the developers were using exactly the same terms as the business was using so everyone would always immediately know what they were talking about which is i guess the the big advantage the reason why you would want to implement domain driven design right absolutely uh, the, the domain is well the, the business once a problem solved and of course you have to speak the language of the business because otherwise you can't solve the problem otherwise you're not understanding the problem in the first place yes uh, which is which is also what i've seen a lot in the past where uh, developers would uh, create their own terms basically for things that the business would have a completely different name for and then once developers and business came together uh, a lot of time was spent on trying to determine what what are we talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and that 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 does not even need some sophisticated domain-driven design setups that can happen in any situation where you kind of are developing something for the, for for people that need to use that, and um, you're speaking different ter different languages. Yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely something that uh, uh, that that we could also learn from this. We don't even have to implement domain-driven design to get this. I mean, this is just making sure that people communicate about the same thing using the same words. Um, but domain-driven design will help because a, 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 one of the most important goals of domain-driven design is to make sure that everyone uses the same words for the same things. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's good. So um, now say we have a project and that project is using the same terms as the business. So we're clear on the, on the ubiquitous language. Um, 
one of one of the things that I've heard a lot about DDD from from people that have have tried to use it or have dug into it is where do I start when I want to translate the 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 specifications that we created translate that into actual code that solves the problem um is there an easy way f that you think uh to 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 start working on an application that uses domain driven design i think there are different ways of doing that um for me what was always helpful was um as we were talking about the same things we we were uh, have our our common language and then implementing these pieces of code that represent these entities uh, in that way and handling the information in these entities that was always very helpful so not like passing arrays around that contain whatever but uh, having value objects having data transfer objects relying on on actual objects and not like having to do validation all the time is that what i expect it to be or not is that just a telephone number because it's declared as an int or is it perhaps uh, a weight or whatever that was always for me the one of the first things depending on how we implemented it um this another great help was actually um when we used uh, event sourcing to actually talk about events that happened. So what happens to this entity? What is actually, how, how is the workflow in the, in, the, um, in the company with what we are talking about and actually transcribing that into events and into actions that are happening. Well, that is not related to DDD. That is a completely different story. It's just or a thing where DDD can help with event sourcing or yeah. the other way around yeah i think it's important let's let's definitely discuss later as well uh, uh about uh, uh how ddd relates to other technologies or or approaches uh because there is some confusion about that uh but i i i noticed uh, you used a term um where there sometimes there is confusion about that uh, which is entities uh because domain driven design talks about entities but of course, if you're working on a PHP project and you've been using Doctrine, uh, then you know the term entities as well. But this is not completely the same thing. And there's some confusion sometimes about that. Yeah, I, I would use entity as in, in a very loose way in meaning this is something that represents a real life thing. Yeah. Um, and however you then use that within your code depends on what patterns you want to implement um so that that is similar to uh, using the word resource for uh people that are working in a company it, it, of course they are not a resource they are people but uh, you need a very generic term for sometimes for describing things that need to be handled and uh, similar for me it is with with the term entity that's that's just a thing yeah yeah but there's uh, so a lot of the confusion that I've seen about this is that uh, people that want to start working with DDD but uh, have a lot of experience using using Doctrine or, or similar libraries, uh, they think of an entity as something related to the data structure in the database, where in DDD it is not 
oh, actually, when you start implementing DDD, you should not think about the database at all. You should only think about, uh, well, what you mentioned, the, the real world example, right? The real world thing. Um, and how that eventually translates to the database is uh, that that should be disconnected. Or Absolutely. Uh, at least there should not be a fully direct connection. It can be so sort of coupled to your code, uh, but you, you should not start with the database. You should start with the real world and then from that, uh, think of how you want to store that information. That it also highly depends on where you want to store your information. I mean, this is something that is very, very infrastructure dependent, but domain-driven design or development is like, we are talking about the domain. We want to, we want to create our business logic that handles whatever happens in the real world. And most of the time, yes, we are not talking about how to store that within our business logic. That is something that happens somewhere, yeah. but we're not thinking about that. Yeah. Or we should not think about that at that point in time. Exactly, exactly. That that will come later. So first, first you start creating the code to reflect the real world, and then you start thinking about where where should I store this? Is there is that a uh, like a relational database or maybe a document store or uh, an external application, whatever? Exactly, whatever. Or do I store one part there, another part there, and a third part somewhere else? Yeah. Who cares? That's not part of the business logic. Yeah. So uh, some of the uh, uh, criticism I've heard of domain-driven design is that it makes things very complex because there are so many layers. Um, is this something that you've seen in 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 the real world as well that people maybe overcomplicate things or that uh, actually all these layers, uh, uh, even though it looks complex, it actually makes it easier. Well, I've, what I've seen so far it was um, that the border between great code and lasagna code is kind of not always visible right um so th th there are but all the t every time i found a code base that was that looked highly complicated uh, it was mostly due to people trying to achieve far more than implementing ddd they try to implement a whole lot of different uh, things and try to do it the best they could without 100 percent understanding what they were doing and by that overcomplicating things um the, the projects that I've worked in um, that did that in a very good way, um, yes, you had a few layers, but they were clearly defined. Um, the boundaries were clearly defined, and it was very easy to get into that code and, and to understand what was happening and to get up to speed and get onboarded in a new project. That was really, really helpful there. So in that part, if you're doing DDD right, that is amazing, and you get a really understandable code. I think, uh, at least from what I've seen, uh, for the companies that have been doing DDD in a good way, they've always first uh, gotten outside help of people that had experience with DDD, whereas the companies that were maybe not doing it that well, they heard about DDD, thought it was a good idea, and then they tried to implement it themselves, without really having any experience with it, any previous experience with it. And that made it harder. Yes, 
And most of the time, they're not only heard about DDD, but a lot of other different topics that all kind of got mixed together in a big bowl. Right. Yeah. And yeah, then, then you got some mix up and uh, mess up. Yes. Well, let's let's look at some of those things. Since we're talking about this anyway, uh, let's look at some of those things that sometimes get mixed up with, with uh, domain-driven design. Um, you mentioned one earlier already, um, which was event sourcing. Um, event sourcing in itself is not part of DDD, um, but since DDD talks about domain events, and uh, so you can use these events uh, in, in different ways, a lot of people think, oh, if I want to do DDD, I have to do event sourcing as well. But this is not true, right? Absolutely not. At least for me, it's not, not necessarily connected. You can do event-driven design or event sourcing um, without using domain-driven design. And you can do, use domain-driven design without using event sourcing. They are not connected, but they help each other. Yeah. Due to these domain events, um, it, it makes... It makes it much easier to describe what is happening. Yes, someone needs to change the number plate for their car. That is an event that is happening. There is some workflow associated with that. So you can can have that as one event in event sourcing and everything works fine out of that. And you can neatly um, create domain-driven um, approach for that. Yeah. But they are not necessarily connected. No, exactly. For me. Because event sourcing is more about uh, also keeping the history of all the changes based on those events. Uh, and um, uh, if you uh, work with DDD, the events mostly just specify what has happened. And you could ha uh, hook into that with your code to make something else happen because, because this happened. Uh, but, but it's not about keeping the history. So it is two different things. But if you have a... Uh, an event-driven system, like you can get with a domain-driven uh, approach, uh, then it is a lot easier to implement event sourcing. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I I absolutely agree with that, and I think event sourcing is very cool for specific things. Uh, but uh, uh, I've I've worked at uh, on one project where the whole project was event sourced. And I can tell you, you really don't want that. You want to be critical about which parts you do event source and which parts you don't and only apply it where you actually need it. Absolutely. I've I've had exactly the same experiences with the projects where we did that. Right. Yes. Good. Great. <laughs> then we, we completely agree. Now the rest of the world needs to agree. Um, <laughs> uh, let's talk about another thing that uh, often gets uh, mixed up with domain-driven design and that is uh, a hexagonal architecture, um, which is more of a technical thing. The, the term architecture already says that, uh, and uh, which also defines layers. Uh, you have the application layer, you have the domain layer, you have an infrastructure layer. Uh, depending on how far you put it, you also have a, a, a user interface layer. Um, these are different layers that have boundaries internally between each other so that you can split your, uh, your business logic from your application logic from the integration with the rest of the world, basically. Um, and I've seen a lot of people that think that if they want to do domain-driven design, then they also have to apply hexagonal architecture. Um, but this is not really required. Well, in my opinion, it isn't. Um, because 
it it makes it easier because in in hexagonal architecture you already have this term of the domain layer which is what your domain driven design is about so kind of the the stuff that you create with your do domain driven development domain driven design that is the domain layer yeah but that is about the only similarity or the the, the only thing where they are equal you, i i can create a domain driven developed application without using hexagonal architecture. I need to think about how I connect this domain logic to the outside world then. But I can also kind of create a hexagonal architecture without using domain-driven de uh, development or design. No no issue with that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's two separate things, but just like with event sourcing and a couple of other things, uh, they, they can really enhance each other. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it makes sense to use them together, but it's not a necessity. And um, the, the most important thing probably is to really make 100% sure that the developers understand the differences, especially also with naming conventions. Because not necessarily uh, the, the, the thing that is named X in domain-driven design does not need to be the same X or the same meaning of the term x in whatever hexagonal architecture or whatever yeah yeah um uh, th this is this is another interesting thing and uh, th this also i think applies to uh, to to code bases that uh, try to do domain driven design uh, because in domain driven design you can uh, define different bounded contexts where just like you just described uh, uh, um, let's say uh, a payment uh, doesn't mean the same thing in the context of uh, I, I don't know uh, the the administration of your of your uh, application of your business. Uh, it might mean something different in in your shopping cart uh, or checkout flow, uh, because in the checkout flow you don't really care about all the details of the payment. You just want to make sure that the payment happens or happened. Um, and uh, but on the administrative side, you need to know which bank account was involved or which credit card was involved, things like that. Um, so uh, uh, these different terms for the same thing uh, in domain-driven design. How? Uh, th yeah, this needs to be translated also into code. And uh, uh, some of the people I've talked to were like, well, then I get a lot of code duplication because I have to create a payment object here and a payment object there and maybe a payment object in a third place while they're all basically sort of the same thing. Um, yeah, but the thing is, they're only kind of sort of the same. So they are not the same. And that's why it's not code duplication. Yes, the, 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 there is a lot of code duplicated but it's not because i have the same thing multiple times it's because i have similar things multiple times and if it's similar then it makes sense to have the code duplicated because otherwise you will get pretty messy ways of figuring out oh i have one payment class but in this when when it is invoked uh, from this side then i need to handle it specifically for that and you get some ifs else switch case breaks whatever in there uh no that that is not worth the the uh saving in uh space in in disk space uh compared to yeah create three different objects and uh, that's it and then handle them differently perhaps 
Yes, exactly. Uh, it's it's uh, about um, uh, uh, yeah, being efficient in terms of the amount of lines of code versus being efficient in understanding what you're actually doing and what the subject is that you're doing it to. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that makes that makes it a lot. Uh, so actually, it makes it a lot easier if you're reading the code uh, to to have the separation of a payment in administration and a payment in in uh, checkout and you know things like that. Uh, so we come to we come to a completely different thing here. Yeah. Because we now suddenly are talking about solid principles, single responsibility. Yeah. So yeah. my payment object should have one single responsibility. I'm responsible for the checkout process. I'm responsible for my administration process or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's of course a, a, an interesting discussion because uh, 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 other people w would say, well, if it's all, it's all a payment, so then I have one clause that is responsible for everything that is payment related. Uh, but then you lose the, the, uh, yeah, the context. <laughs> basically in which you use it and then you you might mix up things and that will actually cause bugs uh, uh in the end because you might use the payment class in a in the in the wrong way absolutely and you're not talking about your domain anymore yeah because you're trying to suddenly you're trying to combine your uh your IT department for the admin interface and your uh, your your uh, bookkeeping department for the checkout process, you tr you're trying to force those two departments together, and no, that's not going to work. So, can I summarize uh, to to close off this podcast? Can I summarize domain-driven design as a way to um, uh, to make your code more clear uh, and uh, to make sure that um uh everyone knows what is happening at what point things are happening uh and to focus first on that and then afterwards focus on the implementation on the technical details etc yes that sums it up pretty well okay Maybe great start with a domain start with a business logic start with the customers processes and figure out the details, the nitty-gritty implementation details later on. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, uh, thank you very much uh, for, for being uh, with me, uh, Andreas, and, and talking about this interesting subject. Uh, this was a, a great chat, and I definitely hope that uh, uh, people have learned something from this. Thank you very much, Stefan. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening to this Ingewikkeld Session. If you want more podcasts, you can subscribe to the Ingewikkeld Sessions podcast and you will get a one monthly podcast about uh, an interesting subject related to development. It could be anything. Uh, and and uh, there is a whole back catalog already of, uh, of podcasts. Um, we also do a monthly live stream on YouTube. If you missed the live stream on YouTube, then there is another option. Uh, if you uh, become a patron of Ingewikkeld, then you can actually uh, see the full back catalog of recordings as well. Uh, for that, go to patreon.com slash Ingewikkeld. Thank you very much for listening and talk to you next month. That's it for this month. Thanks for listening. If you like what we're doing, please share our links on social media. Also, please subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app and follow us on YouTube. And you can also support us financially on patreon.com slash ingewikkeld. 
See you next month.